It is Thursday, January 12th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Coaching news in the NFL. And an exciting night in college hoops. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The New York Jets making an offensive coordinator change. The Denver Broncos interviewing former Stanford coach David Shaw. And where is Sean Payton going to land? What is the Vegas lead, Scott? Well, we are headed towards Super Wildcard Weekend in the NFL. Yesterday. Can we stop with Super Wildcard Weekend? That's card what it's weekend. called. It's not we Wild Card Weekend. It's anymore. Super Wildcard Weekend. There's more Wildcard games. It's Super uh, Wildcard Weekend. So unnecessary. It's the proper name. I like to call things by their proper name. Are you going to start calling the first four by the first round? That was only one year they made that decision, and they went and they changed it back. And what'd you call it that year? I called it the first four. Okay. I, I, I always called I thought it the first you called things by what they're called. Because it was always the first four. Isn't anyway, it really the first eight? You're not. Playing we haven't games. introduced you yet, Steve. Wait. Well, Steve Fezzik, the only two time winner of the Super Contest, who is just so <laughs> eager to pop on the microphone that he foregoes his formal introduction. Good morning, Fez. They say that, but guess who shows up for new hot dog in it all? You, man. These two were styling without me out there. They're taking care of business. Well, we wanted to talk about Wild Card Weekend because as we went through the lines yesterday, and and there has been some movement, right, AJ, of the lines going into uh, yesterday and today? Yeah. I'm so angry because yesterday morning I was I sat here with you and McKenzie and said, why are we not betting the Bills minus nine? This is a, this is a free square. What are the odds Tua actually plays? I don't think there's any odds. Thanks, Adam Schefter, for nothing, saying, oh, <sighs> Miami is now optimistic that perhaps Tua might be able to play as that, what's that, Martian in the Bugs Bunny cartoon? That makes me very angry not getting minus nine. So I have no minus nine, even though I, I sat on this pod yesterday and said, everybody play minus nine. There's no way this is a good number. Could have had minus two and a half on your teaser, your six and a half point teaser. Mm, even. That doesn't make me better. feel any better. It makes me feel a lot it, worse. It doesn't make me feel better because sure. that's what I wanted to bring up with you, Fez. As we look on this card, it's a very attractive teaser card. And I wanted to to run it by you. I don't want to sound like a dumbo, but you're here to educate us. You're not going to listen to how he educates you anyway. I know. I'm going to be a dumbo anyway. Yeah. Like the dumbo teaser we just played every Monday night without Fez's blessing. So, but <laughs> sorry, Fez. But when you look at this card, there's an opportunity I feel to put more than two teams in a teaser. Let's say a three team teaser plus one forty plus one fifty. Or if you do a seven-point teaser, you can get plus 130. How would you approach this weekend when it comes to teasers? And are you okay with doing more than two teams? If the right teaser all match on the team. So what do I mean by that? Let's start with San Francisco. They are laying nine and a half right now. All right? We so like You this. would need a seven-pointer. I need it a seven-point teaser because i got to get to minus two and a half. I'm not going to bore everyone with all the math. People say all the time, this is Fezzik's opinion on all this. No, it is not my opinion. This is the math. It's like my cousin Vinny. The law of physics ceases to apply when you try to bet your teasers. They Believe me, it still applies. The laws of, the laws of probability 
The only way you have an advantage teaser, you must tease what's called the Wong teasers. And I know the man personally, Stanford Wong, a.k.a. John Ferguson, who actually learned from Frank B. I digress, but the, the, these Wong teasers, you got to tease all the way through the three, all the way through the seven. So it's fine to take, it's never fine to take a 10 down to a three. It's fine to take a nine and a half down to a two and a half, but you need a seven point teaser. Boom. So you play San Francisco. That is a candidate. You have two other candidates. We have more flexibility with the other two games. Yeah, the Bengals. The Bengals are currently an eight to an eight and a half point favorite. So you can tease them. You're going to get through the, the seven and through the three. You can tease them in a six. You can tease them in a six and a half. You can tease them in a seven. All three are good choices for the Bengals. You can have complete flexibility mm-hmm. in the teaser you choose with the Bengals. And the third one would be maybe the Jaguars up yes. or the Buccaneers up just to get those teams beyond the three and beyond the seven. Yeah, so I don't want to tease Tampa yet because it's still floating around like that Because you think you can maybe get a three. Maybe a three will pop up, especially a book like the South Point that always deals with their VIG minus 110. So they did have the game at Tampa plus three, lay a dollar 10. Now Tampa's plus two and a half minus a dollar 10. So right now it's one-way action. Every bet that the South Point is taking from anyone with a brain if you like pina coladas and have half a brain, you will lay minus two and a half, lay a dollar ten with Dallas or pass at the South Point. You would never take the two and a half because you can get it at better odds. So I'm going to wait on Tampa. If the line goes down to two, then I'll start teasing. But them. you can't bet at the South Point anyway. I got people. Okay. So <laughs> I can. But Jacksonville is an ex- It's another very flexible one because if, if the line current line's like plus two, we'll call it two, you can tease the six pointer up to eight. You can tease it in a six-and-a-half-point teaser or in a seven-point teaser. It's not ideal, but it's okay to do that, get the extra points. And so you could certainly even play a three-team seven-point teaser, Cincy, Jacksonville, San Francisco. But you cannot play a three-team six-point teaser because San Fran would only get to minus mm-hmm. three-and-a-half, and that would be bing-bong, Dumbo style. So I, I like it. I mean, last week I played a, a three-team teaser. I gave it out at plus one fifty. plus 150. On the three team, it was a uh, that was a six point six point teaser at plus one fifty. So that was the three the three legs. And last week it was you know simple. Last week it was um, it was the the Bills from seven and a half to one. It was the Bengals from nine to two and a half. Oh no, it was a six and a half point teaser. Excuse me, mm-hmm. and the Vikings from seven down to a half. That the six and a half point teaser was plus one fifty. Yes, and so and this this was interesting. In pre-production, we worked on the actual odds, and we found like a seven point, a three-team seven-point teaser at plus one thirty. Plus one thirty, actually, and I'm surprised by this. You do a little bit better than you would if you were just playing, you know, and you were playing two teamers with the uh, at minus the one forty, which is prevalent. So yeah. um, it turns out you're getting your more than your fair odds at plus one thirty on the seven-teamer. Now you get more variance playing it. So I, it's fine to, like, wheel them into twos, but it's A-OK to put them in a three as well. One of the things I was thinking about just now, you, you've said before, was this regarding parlays or teasers that, like, the four is the magic number? Four is the number where you get the best value. Is that four teasers? Four is the one to avoid. Or, oh, three on, on, is the on, best. Okay, and the reason being three is the best, but what happens, so you start with $100, all right? And if you play a two-teamer, 14 to five, all right? So you win um, – uh, for every hundred, you bet you win two eighty. You get back three eighty. It turns out you're laying like a little more than one eleven um, on your vig. So you're playing like if you played a mechanical parlay, you took your hundred, bet on team one, you win. You cash. You take all the proceeds. You bet on game two. Minus you're one hundred dollars plus your profit. You make yeah. a little bit more mm-hmm. than it would be actually plus two sixty. I'm sorry if I misspoke. So thirteen to five. I think I, I, if I said fourteen to five, that's because I had a promo place that 
paid that, and that's the only way I, I would play it. But it's 13 to 5. You get short paid, but just by a smidgen, all right? But if you play a three-team parlay and you keep rolling your money over, as I mechanically described, um, you would you start with your 100, you'd win 696. Okay, that's what you get would get back. But if you play the three-team parlay, you actually get 700 back. So you actually make a little bit better than the mechanical parlay. It's the exception to the rule. But now here's the problem. If you play the four-team teaser, it pays 11 to 1. So now you only get back 1,200. So you, what essentially happens, that fourth leg, you, you've got 700. You're home free. you got 700. Now you're risking 700 to win 500. Mm. You're laying minus 140, not on a teaser, on a straight bet against the spread. So never play the four-team uh, parlay ever. Okay. What about the four-team teaser at uh, for seven points? Like, what's the what number would you need if it's plus two hundred? Is that value? Yeah, because this is something we've talked about a lot on on the Fezic Focus Pod. If your book still gives you minus one ten on a two-team teaser, six point teaser, that's like that's gold in your hands. It's pure gold. Yes. But if you're being asked to pay more than minus one twenty, you don't you're not getting any value. You shouldn't be playing it. God then. couldn't win. Okay, yes. so what when you talk about oh God probably could. when you talk about six six and a half seven uh, and especially when Scott's talking about more than just two teams, what's the what's the right numbers that you should be getting from your book for it to work? So we we priced the in production again the seven point teaser four teams and we found out oh two to one was perfectly fine mm-hmm. you know as far as you know works out about the same as 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 putting these in with two teams it's not any really better or worse it's a, it's about the same but one thing pulling back the curtain. The four-team six-point teaser at some books, including at the aforementioned South Point, used to be one of the best bets that you could make because they paid um, the Hall of Fame bookmakers over there. They paid three to one on that, and sounds like a reasonable payout. But now wait a minute. So what three to one? What that means is if I risk a hundred, I get back. I win three hundred, and I get back four hundred. I double my money uh, twice. Yeah. Well, doubling your money twice is like saying you double your money once in a two-team teaser. And doubling again with another two-team teaser. So they essentially were paying a two-team teaser at even money instead of charging minus $1.10 or minus $1.20. I think currently they charge minus $1.30 at the South Point. So you'd have to ask the Hall of Fame sports betting bookmakers (laughs) why they gave such a great deal to the client. And what was interesting is they never figured out the math because they don't do math. They just did a query and they're like, (gasps) We've we've queried like certain like these these payouts on these four and these six teamers and and on the six teamer same thing they paid you know seven to one they kept you know doubling yeah. it every two games and like we've gotten killed shocker because every <laughs> pro in the world knew you had the wrong number and so not only was it just the public playing this but you had you had the best betters in the world playing these attractive teaser odds that are long gone in every book now so you now now that those books are, those books don't exist anymore because you wiped them all out what's what's a book that i could go up to today and what's a fair number i could i could get shop around but i i think it's plus 240 or higher is, is on a four teamer four teamer hey, any so worse at plus 240 william hill i just checked it right now plus 260 oh it's very for it's a six point two, teaser for a four team four leg 16 six points yeah and, and that's excellent um the only caution plus is 200 for the four leg seven points yeah, and so so th- that's actually rather attractive, the plus 260. The problem is that there, it's rare with such a short board there's ever going to be four games that are all going to qualify as, well, I as see long four. teasers. But Tampa, yeah. you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that in because Tampa almost qualifies yes. just for the hell of it. I'll but go the thing is— that. Oh, but I can't play San Francisco. Or it has to be the seven-pointer to play San Francisco. Yeah. But if—and imagine yesterday had we played Miami, had we played San Francisco. Like, there were plenty of options for these seven-pointers— 
if you'd bet them earlier in the week. Yes, and now they're starting to dry up. And it yeah. makes me even angrier that we didn't yeah. tease the uh, nine-point favorite for. Um, yeah. Mm. Well, lesson learned. <laughs> Buffalo. Steve. Lesson learned, Steve. Okay, you know what? People say all the time, like you can't be. You, hey, you can't. You can't pick up everything. But the truth is, and I and I keep emphasizing, if there's one thing, and I'll die on this on this hill. Hopefully, not pick its charge style. The the way to win betting in the NFL. And you hear this all the time. It's a hard sport to win. Nobody wins betting in the NFL. It's all crap. It's, it's easy to win in the NFL if you work really hard and you know what you're doing. And by it's saying It's not that, easy to win in the NFL on Sundays. It's not easy at all. It's not easy at any one point in time. People are like, oh, it's so easy, Feds. Give me a winner. I'm like, I don't like anything. How often have you ever said, I don't like anything? You know, Every a Wednesday. bunch at the end of the week. And the point is, is that over the course of the week, as these lines are moving, you need to be flexible. So, like, you know what I liked? I liked Cincinnati minus seven when I sent it to my clients. And when I bet it, um, when it was pretty clear that Baltimore was going to be compromised at quarterback and 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 Lamar Jackson wasn't going to play. So it's, it's not like a final exam where you study for six days and then you go take your exam Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and, you know, fill out, you know, the, the answer sheet because by then the answers are gone. Right. Oftentimes there are no answers. The answer was there on Wednesday – you know, like last week, Denver, Denver at Pickham, Denver plus three. Those were good scavenger hunt bets to find. And then, you know, you can debate all you want. Denver's playing five against the Chargers. They're about to kick off. Maybe you land on Chargers. Maybe you pass the game. But the, you, you see where I'm going. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it is not a final exam. It's very fluid. And the answers change depending upon what the numbers are. And ultimately, right before they tip off, we define everything by closing line value. You're going to win if you beat the closing line. Scott, I ask you, how are you going to beat the closing line when the lines are about to close in 10 seconds? You're not. Yes. Overall betting strategy when it comes to the playoffs, are you okay or do you personally do it taking the money line on a team that you are extremely confident is not going to lose the game? And the example I would give is let's just go – Okay, the 49ers against the Seahawks. I think all three of us agree the 49ers are not losing this game. Are you okay laying the, the money line on, on the 49ers? I did actually lay minus 445 on this game. Okay. Right? And I and I also teased it, and I know they're, they're both good, and so I'll lose my shirt if, if they lose outright. You know, one of the things is I'm, a really, I'm very reluctant to do this during the regular season. You know, I think like the Vikings once lost as a 16-half-point favorite. Was that? Trying to remember who that was against. But um, those games happen. Any given Sunday is there. That statement's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. But it's much more rare that you see an upset like this. In the playoffs. In the playoffs. I'll I'll go as far as to say, you know, you look at college, which has more variance. But if TCU had beaten Georgia, that would have been one of the greatest upsets in the history of college football. It would have been the greatest championship upset in the history of the sport. So in the history of the sport, and yet you only had to, you, you could go the Golden Nugget and bet. Lay four to win a dollar. Mm-hmm. It was like lay four that the sun's going to come up, as it turns out when you're watching the game. But the point is, what I like about this also is that who, what is, what do these teams care if they lose week five necessarily? But it, it, you almost feel like if you lose your $20,000 because you loaded up on the 49ers and made all these bets, well, the Niners' season is done, so you feel good about that, <laughs> that at least, you know, it's going to hit them where it hurts as much as it hits you. So, that brings the next question. If there's multiples of those teams that you like and you can and you you shop around and you have a book where you get the best number on two or three teams. Let's say let's use for this example 
San Francisco, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. The, yeah. the three biggest favorites on the board. Uh, San Francisco is minus 500. Buffalo is... 850. Is, is, I see Buffalo minus 700 right now. Oh, okay. So, uh, and again, this is make sure you can get the best number on every game that you're playing here. But then I'm looking minus 380 for the Bengals. It, does it make sense to parlay those together? No, I just even if this, you're getting the best number at each each shop, correct. And I just had this conversation with a a pro that makes six figures a year, and I'm literally we're screaming at each other. I make six figures a year, and I'm like, yeah, lots of people do. You know, it's like they people know what they're doing. Make six figures a year, you'd make more. I said you might make seven figures if you knew what you're doing. Um, and he was talking about how he parlayed all this stuff, and I'm like, I said you realize that some books like Pinnacle, when you play the part these parlays. They they don't give you these best numbers. They reduce they they make them worse when you put them into parlays. And the AJ you mentioned normally when you shop around, it would be very rare that the best shop would have the number at each and every one of the three. You've done this with MMA fighting. Sure. Your clients don't want to be laying minus five hundred. That's that's right. ridiculous. Now here's my point though. Given you're already working, all right, and you're going to be betting all these games. These games are not going on concurrently. It's one after another. And an MMA card, there's just one ring, right? Right. They can't, unless it's like, um, you know, they suddenly allowed, you know, tag team. Doesn't happen. Okay. So my point is, so you start out and you're going to bet on San Francisco. And let's say you're going to bet $500. Okay. You're going to risk 500. I'm throwing in my three-team parlay. Well, how about we shop around? We get a minus 480, right? And so now we go ahead and bet the same 500. We lay 480. Boom. Now we make a little bit more on the first leg. Like, yeah, but... I don't want to lay 500. I, or you say, I don't want to lay 480, Fez. And like, that's why you don't lay 500 in the parlay. You're still laying 500. Just because it, the ticket doesn't cash after the first leg doesn't mean you've magically not laid 500. You're still laying it. It's just it gets deferred and, you're re, and, and you, you automatically are mechanically parlaying in right. the second leg. Now, I get it. You're, you're out with your buddies. You're having a good time. You, you, you may not be able to stay home and do this. But given you're staying home and betting anyways, as soon as that wins, boom, you cash that. And now you got the second one. Well, you know what? You like both these games about the same. And now you got um, you got six hundred dollars in your pocket. Well, now I'm gonna bet six hundred dollars on Buffalo. No, because you were you know why are you betting more on the second leg and the third leg? Depending if the first leg wins, if you put it in a parlay, because if, if San Fran loses, now you got nothing on Buffalo, which makes no sense from a Kelly criterion bet sizing. You should be risking about the same if you liked all the three plays the same. So you don't have to take the full five hundred. Take another five hundred dollars. Bet it on Buffalo, minus the 700 or whatever it is. And then the third leg, win or lose on Buffalo, shop around. Maybe get Cincinnati, minus 345, put it on Cincinnati. Now, I will say on these Wong teasers, it's more attractive to play the teaser than the money line. Use Cincinnati as an example. So Cincinnati is an eight-point favorite. You play them in a seven-point uh, teaser if you can find an eight. Mm-hmm. And you're essentially on the each leg you're laying minus 320. Would you rather lay minus minus one, minus three twenty? That's really what you're betting. Mm-hmm. Or bet the money line minus three eighty. It's just not gonna land on Cincy by one nearly yeah. enough of yeah. the time to justify paying an extra sixty cents sure. to get them minus a half. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And 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 that's probably the way to attack a card like this as opposed to doing those the heavy money lines, because you're not getting the bang for your buck at all. But exactly. But I'm A okay. Uh, you, you don't have to put parlay. I'm 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 not anti huge vig. You want to play Buffalo minus seven seven hundred? They're gonna win. They're gonna win more than whatever that that turns out to be the eighty six percent break even. Whatever it is, I think they're gonna win ninety two percent. I think it's a good bet. 
You just don't have to parlay it. And people are like, but it's, I don't want to lose. It's just tempting to, like, those three, those three numbers right now, if you parlay them, are minus 137. Yeah. It's just very tempting to put those three together, three that you feel very confident about. I'm fighting about. with this pro. He's like, I don't want to lay 700. I want to lay minus 137. But you're saying you're I'm already like, laying it. And now you're laying minus 735 because you're getting a shorter pay on each leg because the, the books will calculate it with the shorter pay, some of them, or you won't get the best number on the yeah. three. Now, the, would you ever consider throwing Buffalo in that seven-point teaser and getting them to minus six? No. No. Why, AJ? Because you're not getting through three, and the whole the, the whole value of any teaser is getting through three, because three is the the most difficult number for a line to push through. But even if you're getting through ten and seven, it's not even yeah, ten and seven don't equal three. Because mm-hmm. the three is going to land like ten percent of the time. A team favored by close to three wins by three ten percent. Yeah, but this is a thirteen point favorite. Um, it's true. Um, but but I'm I'm saying that like if you look at just the distributions of where the sure, games land, sure. will the game land three? Will the game land seven? They mm-hmm, have props mm-hmm. like that. The seven's going to land like five percent. The ten's going to land like four percent. So even if I add the two together, it it still doesn't even get me to one data point the three. And I've got all these dead numbers in between eight, nine, eleven, twelve. Yucky. Mm-hmm. It, very you that you don't want to buy. You don't care about those numbers. A, a, ex- exactly. Now there are some people that will say, wait a minute. This I believe strongly. That Buffalo should be minus 16 and a half, and and they're correct for whatever reason, and that they could say, well, so the teaser was a good bet, and they, they are actually mathematically correct, but people do this with a like a four and a half point dog in the in the NFL, a road dog. They say if I tease it up to 10 and a half, it's it's plus EV, but it's only plus EV because the original bet is even better, taking it minus 110. I was going to say you've said that before. The only time where you're okay, you know, teasing is if you know the line is going to move. Yeah, so so like as an example, let's say the book line was extreme example. The line was three everywhere, and some place had a, had the, that team lined at plus four, but they charged like minus one thirty five. Well, now I like the seven point teaser. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. now you, I'm teasing because that that vig goes in the garbage can. I'm teasing four yeah. to eleven yep. in a seven point teaser or a six and a half point teaser, and I'm not teasing four to eleven. I'm teasing three to eleven. So I'm getting an eight point teaser at seven point prices. Yeah. Uh that's now that and that that's, suddenly we can start talking. Is there any reason to think that this game won't be the, the Buffalo game we're talking about won't be any different than last year's wildcard game when the Bills absolutely demolished the Patriots? What was it? 47 17 last it year? It was. I think it's very it's a very similar thing except the difference being that the Patriots have a worse defense than those or the, the Dolphins have a worse defense yeah. than the Patriots did. But that's why it, that's why I'm I'm more comfortable, and RJ said this on the pod last night. He said, You're going away from what you've done all year. You're not you're now all of a sudden you're willing to lay these big numbers. But I also believe fully that teams like the the Bengals game last week was a great example. Bengals got up to a big lead and coasted. Coaster. They, they knew they were gonna win the game. 24 seven and a half. They didn't need to win by margin. They said, they okay. Knew we we're playing this team the next week. Their second half was essentially like the teams who knew where they were seated and yeah. we're just gonna we're gonna win this game that and get smart. out of here clean. Don't show anything. Certainly smart. In the if they, if it was 24 seven and a half time of a playoff game, they're not gonna change. It, it's it's very similar and Georgia, I said Georgia TCU Georgia TCU. Georgia beat Vanderbilt by less points than they beat TCU. Yeah. Is that because Vanderbilt played them better? No. It's because once Georgia was up 50 or 48 nothing on Vanderbilt, they said, okay, we can slow down here. We don't need to do any more than we've done. Mm-hmm. 
in a championship game, you want to leave no doubt. But, or in a playoff game, you want to give them no option of coming back. But is there back. any concern that the Bills would take their foot off the pedal knowing no. that they're playing Cincinnati? No, oh, the Bills yeah, don't take their foot off. They yeah. were playing the Chiefs the, the only, next week after sure. that Patriots game. There's the, only, no... the only concern is that the cumulative effect of all these snowstorms and all this travel and that the whole extra game in Detroit, and they're already playing nine road games. So yep. They played ten road games. They they suffered through two epic snowstorms where thirty eight people died um, in Buffalo, and you couldn't get to the practice facility. And at what point when you and then you've got this situation with Hamlin? At what point when you stack all of these emotional events and disruptions one on top of another, does this become significant? But the fact that Buffalo has back to back home games, I think I'm 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 okay with it. Well, and I think let's not act like Miami hasn't gone through some things this season as well. Yeah, great. You know, point. like great uh, point. their their quarterback was convulsing on the field. Yeah, uh, and and now they're. I mean, let's just say what it is. The Dolphins are going to have to start an injured quarterback in this game. Yes, yeah, I think it's going to be Skylar Thompson, and he's he looks injured to me. And I think I think you know I I actually think just betting. Him under, I don't know if he's going to last through the game. Who's the backup quarterback behind him now? It's going to be uh, Mike Glennon. If Mike Teddy Glennon, Bridgewater's inactive. The guy with the big neck. The big, long neck, Glennon. <laughs> the if, if Teddy Bridgewater, if, but Teddy, if Teddy Bridgewater could play, he would play. Yes. Why is Glennon not playing? Glennon's better than. I would think Glennon's better than Skylar Thompson. Yeah. I guess Skylar Thompson's been in the system all year, That's they feel odd. like. Yeah, Here's well, the other thing. One guy's been sitting on his couch all season. Yeah. At the end of the game last week. Did Tyreek Hill look healthy to you? No. No, he got banged up. Yeah. Did Jalen Waddle look healthy nope. to you? No, nope. he got banged up. Raheem Mostert? He's not. He's not even going to play. I don't think he, he, he certainly didn't practice yesterday. So this is just a mass unit. They still don't have their tackle. Like this is a beat up, beat up team. It's kind of like I talked about with the Giants. All right, it's done. We're just going to play the money line, and we're going to save five. And Bradley Chubb didn't practice. Either. We're going to save five dollars for socks. Everything else goes on it. It's a line from the Odd Couple. I think I'm just. I, I think I'm. I'm still going to play the Bills at twelve and a half. Mm. I, I, I really do. I. I, I can't. I just can't I can't picture a scenario where the Dolphins hang in. This you know, game. it's interesting because I'm so used to betting during the regular season, and minus twelve and a half is like an area code that I don't like. To you don't live in, right? I, I, not only do I do I don't live in it, I don't drive through it, and I certainly don't get out, park my car, and start walking to it to, to, to put, put down th- a bet in that area. Think code. about this, and this is I think this is very this this Zip relates code, very I well. Say not area code, zip code. Imagine if there was a world where Tennessee had won the SEC East, mm-hmm. and Hinton Hooker blew out his knee in that game. Yep. So, like, had they not lost that game to South Carolina at the end of the year, or not, who was it that they lost to at the end of the year? Uh, South Carolina. It was South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. You don't lose that game. They win. They The committee says, well, the resume says they're a playoff team. Now you're in the playoffs, Tennessee, with one loss. You're in the playoffs. But you don't have Hinton Hooker. Like, all of a sudden, you're looking at a team where, oh, I would never bet it, uh, you know, I would never bet against Tennessee with this big of a number in real life, but all of a sudden this is an alternate reality. The Dolphins Not are against in, Clemson. It wasn't the Dolphins are in an alternate reality right now, aren't they? Like this is yeah, yeah. this is not the real Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and they're through, and they just went through the emotional roller coaster to get to the playoffs. You know, so that's they were all in last week, and and, so. and and I mean they were all in, and they barely won. They probably shouldn't have won. Like this is when's the last time we watched the Dolphins play? And went, man, they're on to something here. This is a pretty yeah. good-looking team. Like, I can't even remember it. I it, I really can't. Like, I can remember even some games for the Seahawks. It was the blowout against the Texans when, you know, uh, they were winning 30 nothing at the what half. What week was that? That was a long time. That was when Tua, 
Week Long nine. This was yeah. one of this. This Jets game was 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 just one of the ugliest games. They won the game. Ever watched. You. They won that game. And did you like? Did you walk away with any positive feelings about the Dolphins? Well, when Stanton hit the three-run homer, that really was. The <laughs> game, you know, so. But like, I was like, man, they just won the game to make the playoffs, and I feel worse about them than I did going into the game, where yeah. I already felt bad about them. I, I just I can't find a reason to back that. I now the problem is, I sat here on this very microphone yesterday and said, why don't I play the Bills minus nine? And now I've got to give an extra three and a half points. You know, my buddy, um, Teddy Covers, used to do this, so he'd have his shows, and he would, like, he'd come up, emergency betting alert, lay three, and then, the, like, the, like literally the next day it would be four. And I'm like, how much you get down? And he's like, oh, I was so busy get prepping for the show and everything. I didn't actually bet it mm-hmm. myself. And I was like, what are you doing? How? Yeah, I, well, That's he, me this time. He, here's you, never I, give, you never recommend a bet. I mean, I've already, like, I'm, like, Fez, you're recommending bets. It's like, I assure you, boys. I may not have given my clients a minus. 460 but, but i bet it here's yes. the here's the thing like this can't, this conversation came from scott and i talking it out on air yeah and the more we talked about it, it's like why why are we talking about this instead of going to a counter and betting it and then of course well here's the deal a couple hours uh, later fez if you know anybody that's willing to take my left kidney as collateral I'd like to put down a mortgage bet on the on the Bills money line. There you go. <laughs> okay. just, I can live with one kidney if it if it loses. Yeah, we'll be all right. <laughs> well, Fez, uh, do you have a best bet for the people before we get out of here? Well, yeah. Well, we talked about different teasers. We could keep it simple for everyone. We'll do a two team six point teaser minus one twenty or less. Don't play against the Hall of Fame um, bookmakers at the South Point because they charge minus one thirty, which is like the highest in the world. So don't. That's play how they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, you're not. Yeah, you, know, you know what? The poker, the, the the poker uh, Hall of Fame has a bunch of guys that play poker. Not a not bunch dealers. of guys, not administrators and dealers and and card room operators. But the sports betting Hall of Fame has nothing but administrators and and bookmakers, which is just hey, beyond my pay level. I don't know. I I would put that vulgaris guy in there. And uh, Billy Walters seems like he would be a better candidate. But that's just me. Um, the two-team teaser, we're going to play the Jacksonville Jaguars from plus two up to plus eight. And the Cincinnati Bengals, let's get this down now, minus eight and a half. Hurry, lay two and a half before it goes up to nine. And now we have to play a higher teaser number with more vig. So Bengals, Jaguars, long teaser, two-teamer. And that's a game, the Bengals game we talked about last night on the pod, where it feels like the Bengals are, are like the Ravens are mispriced. Like if we I, assume, and I think it's safe to assume now, Lamar's not going to play, and I don't think Huntley's going to play. I don't even either. if he does, I do, he's got a banged up shoulder. And what was this line? What did this line close at last week? Eleven point three. And why? Why did it jump up so much to eleven point three? Why? Because they knew Huntley wasn't playing. Well, this line almost guarantees that Huntley's playing. It's about as good a comp as you'll ever see. The two identical teams playing, both with motivation, with the same circumstances. Very odd, isn't it? Nobody's practicing and no one can. And people are like, well, I can tell you the reason. Well, Fez, why am I not laying minus eight and a half? Because I laid six and a half and I laid seven. Yeah, so I'm, I already got a piece of the pie. And that, now you tell me if I'm already, I have a, a healthy investment in Cincinnati minus seven. Mm-hmm. Do I like if you're if you're in that in that boat? Do you want to get involved in a teaser? Yeah, tease down to minus two, and I think they might win by five. Right, bet more, win more. Okay, worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow. All right. I tend to I, I 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to find a different dance partner than uh, the Jags, though. Uh, the the Jags Chargers game feels very high variance to you me. You know what? And what doesn't feel high variance? And I don't like the fact that it's at two point seven five. But you certainly could the spread. I could. You could certainly use Tampa, which doesn't feel like a high that high a variance game. I think it's going to be a close game, and you tease Tampa up from two and a half to eight and a half. I'll accept that. Fez, thanks as always, man. We appreciate you taking your time this morning, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. News in the NFL yesterday, AJ. The Jets are making a change at offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. Not Matt LaFleur. His brother Mike LaFleur is out as the OC for the Jets. Now, there's conflicting reports here. Yeah. Because. This is interesting. Yeah. The first reports are like, oh, the Jets are parting ways with Mike LaFleur. Like, he's out. They're firing him. And, you know, you kind of look at it and you're like, oh, man, it's not really a surprise. Like, their offense stinks. But then again, their quarterback situation stunk. And you lose Brees Hall, who was on a path to be the offensive rookie of the year. Your offense is not just not going to look good. Well, now there's more information coming out. And according to some sources, the Jets wanted Mike LaFleur back. Or or specifically, Robert Sala wanted Mike LaFleur back. And when news leaked about the Jets possibly parting ways with LaFleur, teams called up the Jets to inquire about him. And the Jets said, hey, listen, if these teams are interested in you and they want to hire you, maybe we should let you go so you can explore these opportunities. So the Jets were doing the noble thing by allowing LaFleur to explore other options, kind of like what Sean McVay did by allowing his assistants to explore other options. The only difference is here is that the Jets actually came to a mutual agreement with LaFleur to part ways so that he can uh, go out there and pursue other jobs. This is an interesting deal, and a lot of this comes down to Matt LaFleur and, or excuse me, Mike LaFleur and Robert Sala's relationship. And Mm -hmm. these two guys have been, Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala are basically best friends. Yep. And if if Robert Sala was to fire him, it would be a bad look on Robert Sala. And I think they wanted to save face for everybody involved in this. Mm-hmm. So they call it this mutual parting of ways. Yeah. Like, do we really think, given what we saw this year, that Mike LaFleur is going to be an OC in the NFL next year? I'm not saying he won't have a job. Oh, he's going to have a job. I'm saying, will he be an offensive coordinator? Uh, Maybe, maybe the Packers offensive coordinator. Maybe he goes works for his brother. Okay. Now, now we're talking about a a level of, of nepotism that I can't really argue. Maybe he goes, or maybe he goes back to the 49ers. And I I would, under Kyle Shanahan. I would bet massive amounts of money. That doesn't happen. Okay. I like, I, I just, I mean, he did the, the jets didn't improve at all offensively like if he said well I'm sure I mean did Zach Wilson have any growth no no the offense was terrible so so this is what actually bothers me about this firing or parting ways is that this crushes my Jimmy Garoppolo to the Jets for next year because the reason why I felt Jimmy Garoppolo and the Jets were a a match made in heaven is because Garoppolo knows the entire yeah. offense. He knows the terminology. Matt LaFleur was in San Francisco from tw- 2017 to this year. So for the four years he was with, uh, or three years, he was with the 49ers as their passing game coordinator, working closely with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
knowing all the terminology, knowing the tendencies, and I thought that that relationship was perfect for each other. Now that is not going to be the case, and I'm very curious to see who the Jets bring in as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see that too. I don't know what the answer is, and I don't know that if you're like a um, you're a real hot shot up and comer, if this is a job you really want, because unless you think, unless the Jets tell you, hey, we're not sold on Zach Wilson, we're like we're looking somewhere else. Yeah, if Zach Wilson's going to be the starting quarterback, if he's the de facto leader in the clubhouse going into the season. I don't feel good about being the offensive coordinator of that team because I think I'm I'm handcuffed. Like, what can I really do? And now Zach Wilson being terrible, that blood is on my hands, just like it's on Mike LaFleur's hands now. Like, if Mike, think about it, Mike LaFleur, if he could rewind his career and remove something out of it, you think he wants this season on his resume? There's no, no way. So I, I don't know that anybody's like, and, and I'm sure that like they'll there's somebody who will want to take a chance, but I don't think it's gonna be like their first choice because if if there's several jobs open, the Jets would be probably low on the totem pole for at least offensive guys to want to go take. I honestly have no idea. I mean, who would – man, who would who would get that job? Why don't you bring in like uh, – you could bring in like someone like, – like Zach Wilson's offensive coordinator in college. It, you know? uh, something tells me <laughs> – if I'm the Jets, I am looking to go uh, a direction that doesn't – Ingrain Zach, Zach Wilson further into our culture. You want to know what's crazy? With Mike LaFleur leaving, the last Jets offensive coordinator to last more than two seasons was Brian Schottenheimer from 2006 to 2011. You want to talk about inconsistency, lack of stability? They change OCs every two years. Yeah. Uh, Albert Breer says that the the Jets will cast a wide net for a new OC. Some of the names he mentions, uh, Daryl Bevel, which is actually really interesting to me. I mean, he's done a good job with the Dolphins when his guys were healthy. Mm-hmm. Although, who knows? That could just be they had a bunch of talent. And how how in charge is Daryl Bevel of that offense versus McDaniel? Uh, Brian Johnson, Kevin Petullo, and Pep Hamilton listed here. No, isn't Pep Hamilton coaching in like the XFL or something? Pep Hamilton just got fired by the Texans. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any way. If Pep Hamilton gets another OC job, that that oh, would he blow was, my mind. He was the head coach and the general manager of the DC Defenders in the XFL. Oh, I knew okay. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here's a really interesting name: Gary Kubiak. You'd have to talk him out of retirement. I could see Gary Kubiak. Kubiak does have a connection to Robert Sala. Sala's first job was as an intern for the Texans in 2000, uh, whatever year it was, and when Kubiak was the head coach. And Kubiak promoted Salah within that organization to the quality control coach. He spent five years coaching under Kubiak in Houston. I could see Kubiak taking a job as and the like Jets, a— And the Jets' offensive line coach was the Texans' offensive line coach throughout Kubiak's entire tenure. I, I could see him taking a job as like an offensive assistant or something that's like a consultant, consulting offensive role. Yeah, analyst. Like, yeah, like I'm the senior analyst or something for the offense, and he's he's in the booth, but it's not like so then hired his son then, who just got fired in Denver. Maybe so, right? Isn't that right? Kubiak's son was in Denver. Yeah, and got fired. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the move is, but like Kubiak, obviously, I think Kubiak could be a head coach in the NFL today if he wanted to be. If he it's, wanted, it's to a be. matter of how much he wants to be. How much is he willing to put into it? And if it's a job that requires him to be at the stadium, you know, five days a week, 
It's probably not for Gary Kubiak. I, I would think hire Clint Kubiak and then Gary Kubiak as a as a consultant. Maybe so. And then you you keep that zone blocking scheme. You have and and the offense kind of stays but similar. None of it matters until you have a quarterback. I would agree. And think about this: if you're Gary Kubiak, you're like shining up your Super Bowl ring, <laughs> and like you're you're fishing and you know doing whatever you do. And the Jets call and say, "Hey, Gary, we really want you to come fix this Zach Wilson kid." I'd immediately say, "You've got the wrong number," and yeah. hang up and go back to shining up my Super Bowl <laughs> ring. Like it just seems like a job that is is not for. It's not worth pulling yourself out of retirement mm-hmm. for. All right, let's talk other coaching news around the NFL, including uh, the future of Sean Payton. The Sean Payton sweepstakes is is wide open, AJ. This is fascinating to me for a couple of reasons because now. Sean Payton's been linked to the Colts. He's been linked to the Broncos. Uh, he's been linked to the Rams. He's been linked to the Texans. The Texans have asked to interview him. And my thought was, you know what? When you when you when you look at the Broncos and the Rams, you think, well, those are certainly better jobs. But then when you think about a guy like Sean Payton, being able to choose his own groceries would go a long way for him. Mm. And the Broncos can't draft a quarterback. The Rams can't draft. The Rams can't draft anybody. Really, the Broncos can't draft anybody. Two teams who are in cap hell, married to quarterbacks that have big question marks, mega money. I mean, is that worth the the upside of the Broncos defense or, the, or you know, the, I guess the Rams defense too? Or do you look at the, the Texans as a blank slate and say, hey, we've got the second pick in the draft. Got what the eleventh or twelfth pick in the draft too? We we're not married to anyone on this roster. You build this roster the way you want it built. Mm-hmm. There is, and you've got cap room, which is something that you you don't have with the Rams or the Broncos. That's, I mean, that's an appeal that those other jobs can't offer. If if you fire Nick Casario mm-hmm. and you give Sean Payton. They won't do coach that. and general manager. They won't do that because they did it with Bill. They O'Brien did it with Bill O'Brien. It was a massive failure. Okay, they, there's no way they'll do that. All right, I just I figured Sean. But Payton, I think I think player personnel decision. I think you can say, hey, Sean, Nick's the general manager on the you, outside. You have you have the player personnel. You, you've decisions. got yeah. you've got some decisions you could make here. I don't think, but I don't think they'll publicly say. He's the GM and the head coach. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll make that mistake again. Okay. Uh, other coaching news. We have the Broncos interviewing former Stanford coach David Shaw. Yeah. Uh, listen, there's a reason why he's former Stanford. Like, he stopped being a, a hot coaching prospect like three or four years ago because he stopped winning. Yeah. Um, and I, a lot of it, he was so tied his success to Jim Harbaugh. Right, and then you know, taking over for Harbaugh and and kind of the same principles and and running that program for a couple of years, but it has significantly declined. Yeah, uh, the the first five years, eleven and two, twelve and two, eleven and three, eight and five, twelve and two, and really even ten and three after that, nine and five, nine and four. Last four years, four and eight, four and two, three and nine, three and nine. Like the shine is off, David mm-hmm. Shaw, and. We there were people talking back in 2016 about what David Shaw could be an NFL head coach, yeah. and he chose to stay at Stanford. If a team hires him now, they're hiring knowing that he failed at the college level, and we've seen coaches get hired out of college that have had massive success and gone on to fail. 
the last time we saw a mediocre uh, college coach go to the NFL, his name was Cliff Kingsbury. Mm-hmm. He's no longer employed by the NFL by, by an NFL team. So I think this would be a foolish move to hire David Shaw at this point. I think if you were going to hire David Shaw, you you banked on the upside of him. Now we've seen him fail and really not be able to dig himself out of a but hole. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery. And, and you know, he's a guy who was he, he was a coach at the NFL level, had success as a, uh, you know, I guess you want a, a, a passing game coach, right? Quarterbacks, wide receivers. So he's had success in the NFL in, in those when roles. You, when you resign the day of the last game, finishing the most disappointing season mm-hmm. of your career, it's usually not the time when the NFL starts ringing the phone off your hook. Right? All right, let me ask you a question. I don't want to be insensitive, though. Are the Broncos legitimately interested in David Shaw, or is he satisfying the Rooney rule? That's it. I mean, I I would say there's it's, there's a real interest because there's coordinators around the NFL like from teams that ju- who are out of the playoffs now that mm-hmm. the Broncos could talk to and it'd be much it wouldn't be as much of a story it wouldn't like yeah you know it'd can, be, I mean can't be enemy interview during bye week he could if he yeah. wanted yeah um but there there's plenty of guys they could interview mm-hmm. and but the the downside to be enemy is. Now, when people interview him, they think it's it's only for that reason. Yeah, because, well, because he still he's, hasn't gotten a job. He's interviewed every year, he hasn't gotten a job. But there are guys. I mean, there's. I would bet there's guys on the Broncos' current staff that they could say, "Hey, we're going to give you a talk to mm-hmm. and and do that." But uh, I would imagine if you're if you're going to interview a guy like David Shaw, where when you interview him, it's gonna it's gonna make big news that you've actually got some real interest in. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'd hate to see him in the NFL. I don't know if I'd like him as a head coach in the NFL. I think I'd like to see him as an offensive coordinator first. I'd certainly like that. Like I, 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 I wouldn't be opposed to giving him a shot as an OC. To me, how about going from how failed about the Broncos hire Jim Harbaugh, and he and he brings David Shaw in as his offense coordinator. It's not the worst idea either. And I think the Broncos. I, I think most of these teams, if they had their druthers, would be hiring Jim Harbaugh. I think he's yeah. the besides uh, Sean Payton. I should say that Sean Payton. And then Jim Harbaugh seemed to be the the bells of the ball. Mm-hmm. And if you if if all these teams who need coaches, let's who is it? Broncos, Colts, Texans, uh, the um, the maybe the Rams, the Panthers, maybe I don't know. But if all these teams end up you know playing musical chairs, the two that have Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh in a, in a seat are thrilled. Everybody else is crossing their fingers and hoping. You know, all the talk in the NFL has been about the playoffs and the head coaching carousel that's moving round and round. But the NFL draft will be here before we know it, AJ. And the Texans currently do not have the number one overall pick. They are hoping that a quarterback falls in their lap. And from their perspective, it's, well, the Bears, who have the number one overall pick, they don't need a quarterback because they got Justin Fields. So... If they don't trade the pick, they're clearly just going to take, you know, Will Anderson or uh, or, or Carter, right? Yeah. They're going to take the best defensive end or, or you know, pass rusher off the board, and then we're going to get the quarterback that's going to fall into our laps. That might not be the case, though. Mike Tenenbaum, former Jets general manager, he was on ESPN the other day, and, and he said something really interesting. He said if he were in the Bears' shoes, he would— trade Justin Fields 
and draft Bryce Young number one overall. And I don't think he's crazy for saying that. The reason being is you would probably get a first and a third back for Justin Fields, maybe a first and a second for Justin Fields. At a minimum, you get a first. You get more than a first, but yes. And you also hit the reset button on a quarterback contract. That's because the key. by drafting a rookie, now you're paying him a rookie salary for the next couple of years. You have three more years where Justin Fields is affordable. And then you and that's assuming that you're gonna marry him long term, uh-huh. which I mean, there'd have to be massive improvements between now and then. Also, We've seen a big jump year one to two. Sure, but I think seeing Lamar Jackson's injury has to scare you off of a long-term commitment to Justin Fields. I think so, too. But knowing that you'd have five years of and Bryce Kyler Young. And injury also. Five years of Bryce Young, I, I would take my chances. Five years of Bryce Young plus another draft, uh, maybe more than one draft pick. Yeah. Versus three more years of Justin Fields. So you get because let's say even if Justin Fields takes another step next year, mm-hmm. are the Bears a contender? Their defense is the, one of the worst in the league at this point. Like they've they've hit reset on their entire roster. Yes, you if you're going to do a full rebuild, which when you got rid of Roquan Smith, you indicated we're going to do a full rebuild. Yes, wouldn't you rather start that rebuild? with five years of affordable quarterback play than three years of affordable quarterback play? I would agree with that. And and it's, and it's what Tenenbaum was saying was it's not just, you know, the picks that you get back from Justin Fields. It's the money that you save is going to allow you to then sign four starting caliber players. That's what he projected. Four starting caliber players. So you get Bryce Young, you reset the clock on paying a rookie quarterback, and you get four starting caliber players in addition to an extra first-round pick next year or whenever for trading Justin Fields. Yeah. I don't think it's the craziest thing for a team that finished 3-14. and 14. I don't think so either. I, in fact, I, I, the more I hear of this, and again, this is almost like the, uh, the Kyler Murray thing. Anytime you start talking about trading quarterbacks, you want to talk quietly about it until you know something's done. Sure. Because... You don't want to. You don't want to let Justin Fields know. Hey, we don't believe you're our future, mm-hmm. because now Justin Fields is. He's not. He's not playing with the same confidence. He's not. He's not playing with the same swagger. I'll tell you what. If I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I make a trade for Justin Fields. Ooh, because now you don't have to pay Lamar, and you don't have to change your offense, and you get Justin Fields two more years. On a rookie deal. Three more years if you want him. Uh, yeah, on a rookie Fifth deal. Fifth year option. Uh, on a rookie deal. And you get to keep your window open right now. Here's the here's the thing, though. What's the drop-off from healthy Lamar Jackson today to healthy Justin Fields today? It's not about that. It's about the money. I mean, are you just going to keep you the can look- down the road? What? Ha- yeah. So in three years, you try to you try to trade for another quarterback? Like, in three years from now, I mean, Harbaugh might not be there, and that the whole thing, everything's done. But I'm just saying, if I'm Harbaugh and I'm as tenured as I am, mm-hmm. I'm looking at management and saying, "Hey, this guy Lamar gives us the best chance to win. Yeah, just sign the guy, get my guy in here. Like that's what makes sense to me. If I'm Jim, like John Harbaugh, the the idea of starting with a lesser version of the quarterback you already have mm-hmm. just doesn't it doesn't sound appealing to me. I don't think it makes the Ravens better, right? Like, 
The Ravens' windows, like, yeah. you don't trade for Roquan Smith and make him the highest-paid linebacker in history if you're looking to rebuild. I agree. So, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. All right. I just think it would be, you know, a, a nice fit. I think the draft conversation is fantastic, and as we get closer and closer to the draft, I'm sure we're going to be all on top of all of the odds. Bryce Young is the favorite to be the number one overall pick. We'll be all over that, and and trades could certainly affect things. There's going to be rumors. The, the the draft is always a very good market to bet on and to win on because look at what happened with the NBA draft. I mean, the rumor, the, the odds completely change and everything moves at the last minute. And then it winds up being Boncaro and, and, and it's everyone makes money. So uh, we'll keep, we'll keep monitoring that. But as it stands right now, Bryce Young is the favorite to go. Number one, overall minus minus one forty. CJ Stroud is next at plus two ten. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter plus seven fifty, respectively. All right, great night of action in college hoops last night. Let's start with what I think was the game of the day between the Creighton Blue Jays and the Xavier Musketeers. And this game basically went down to the wire. Uh, Creighton outplayed Xavier in the first half. This game was so tight down the stretch. We're talking one, two points. Finally, Xavier... Gets gets within one point with two seconds left. Free throws get made. Last heave doesn't go. <laughs> Xavier wins 90-87. Number, open three, close two and a half. Ooh. Uh, so hopefully you got in early on the Jays. I didn't, because so I didn't play this one because I was like, oh, if I could get a full three, maybe, and I would have felt really great about my push. Uh, another two and a half that kept me from playing it, was Marquette last night. And Marquette was a two-and-a-half-point dog hosting. And Shaka Smart as a dog is over 60% in his career. They're hosting UConn, who some people think is the best team in the country. I didn't play it because I couldn't get a full three. Marquette wins outright. 82-76. UConn had a four-point lead at halftime. Second half. All Golden Eagles. Marquette now moves to 6-1 and one in Big East play. Shaka Smart, who's kind of always been known as a defensive-minded coach, has a juggernaut offense right now at Marquette. This team is going to be a problem. And one more big game of note. TCU, 75, Texas, 79. This was a cover for TCU, 6.5, 7 most, most places. Um but this was another another game for Texas with Rodney Terry on the sidelines. And the, the kind of the question about Texas is what's going to be the drop-off and who's going to be the long-term head coach for Texas? These are all the, the questions that are getting asked. Well, since Chris Beard's been gone, Texas has lost one game. It was in embarrassing fashion. They allowed 116 points to Kansas State at home. Other than that, They've played really good ball, and this TCU team is solid. Uh, they get another former Chris Beard team, Texas Tech, going into Austin this weekend. They'll probably be a 9.5, 10-point favorite. Texas looks like they're a buy-on team, despite all the coaching woes. And Texas Tech, last we saw them, uh, and I had a best bet on my podcast on this, they got absolutely crushed at Iowa State, 84-50. to this, this Texas Tech team now 0-4 in Big 12 Damn. play, not looking good. Once you fall, like if you're 0-2, I'm like, ooh, 
0-2 in conference, I might look to play them mm-hmm. because, you know, you're expecting an inspired effort. 0-4, you start to be deflated a little bit. Yeah. You know, so I, I that's something to look forward to as well. But uh, Texas with a nice win over the Horn Frogs last night. How about Duke, who was down 11 points at the half? They dominate the second half, and they win the game by, what, they win by eight? Eight, eight. yeah, and this, this was a, a big, uh, what, what number did you get it at? Uh, they opened at seven and a half, ended up getting bet all the way to nine, but most of the day it was at eight. Uh, had you taken that yesterday morning, you push. Had you waited until right at tip, you get the nine, you're a winner with Pitt. But this looked like a game in, in, in the first half that Pitt looked like they were going to run away with this game. Mm. That was a game Duke, no Jeremy Roach on the floor. I worried where they get their offense from. So the fact that they get this win, good good sign for Duke. Uh, let's take a look at the three top 25 teams that are in action tonight. Number eight, Gonzaga at BYU. The BYU Zags, stinks. Really? The Zags are only six and a half point favorites. I, I'll be on I'll be on Gonzaga. I, I, this is a, like people talk about Gonzaga and BYU like well BYU is one of the only teams uh that that really can compete. Are you worried about elevation with, or anything? No. No. Okay. This this is listen, historically they kick their ass. They've won five straight in this series, all five by double digits. Mm. Uh then there's one data point where BYU won. And then there's six more data points where, where <laughs> Gonzaga beats them by double digits. They dominate them. And Timmy has generally dominated these matchups. Had a career game last year, 13 of 14 from the field against BYU. Just got everything that he wanted. Um, and really, BYU hasn't played anyone. And the best teams that they've played have beat them. The one exception would be they played Creighton and beat Creighton, but that was with, when Creighton was without Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's a really key factor for them. Creighton stunk during that stretch. I've got no faith in this BYU team. Uh, number seven, UCLA hosting Utah. UCLA laying 12. Boy, that's a big number. I generally don't want to play Utah away from home, uh, but I also uh, – UCLA is not a team I'm comfortable laying 12 with. And number nine, Arizona at Oregon State. Arizona laying 16. That's a massive number, too. Arizona's got Oregon coming up this weekend, too. Um, but here's the thing about Arizona. They're a team who doesn't pull off the gas. Like They, will, they want to score 100 points every game, and they're going to keep trying until the bitter end. So if they're up 10, they're not going to slow down mm-hmm. late in the game. They're going to keep going and going. So I, I don't want to bet Arizona at that number, but I certainly won't fade them against a team that they should just dominate. On the hardwood tonight in the NBA, we've got the Thunder plus nine and a half at the 76ers. Milwaukee catching two at Miami. Celtics three-point favorites at the Nets. The Hornets plus eight at the Raptors. My Cavaliers minus two and a half at the Blazers. And the Mavericks three-point favorites at the Lakers. On the ice tonight, uh, last night, another successful night. Two-star winner on the over in the Look Capitals. Just, just rocking and rolling on the ice. We have a fun schedule tonight. Cracking at the Bruins. Seattle, one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Boston's minus 235 in this game. Boston has not lost a game at home in regulation this year. 19-0-3 at TD Garden. Pretty good. Uh, Jets at the Sabres. Winnipeg minus 130. The Hurricanes are at the Blue Jackets. Carolina minus 335. Now, Carolina has won 11 straight games and has now lost 
four straight games. One of those four losses was to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Chance to right the ship tonight. Chance for a little bit of revenge. It ain't going to be Elvis in net. Oh, I was he say, we're, ta- last... we're talking Blue Jackets. He, you know my next question. He played the last two games. It's probably not going to be Elvis in net, but it's a high, it's high juice, minus 335, so maybe look at the puck line, but i got to imagine Carolina gets uh, gets back on, on the winning track here tonight. Uh, the Maple Leafs at the Red Wings. Toronto second out of a back-to-back. They're minus 145 in Detroit. Predators also on the second out of a back-to-back. They're in, uh, in Montreal. Nashville is minus 155. Rangers host the Stars. This is going to be a great matchup because Dallas is having a really good season. Rangers, though, very Very good as of late. New York started the season in their first 16 games, 6-7-3, allowing 2.81 goals per game. That's also the same as they scored. So, not very good. Over the last 16 games, the Rangers are 12-2-2, scoring 3.75 goals per game and allowing 2.44. They have been scorching hot since November 1st. I think I'm on the Rangers here in this game tonight, minus 125 at the Garden. Elsewhere, Canucks at the Lightning, Tampa minus 260, the Wild at the Islanders, Minnesota minus 115, Flames visit the Blues, Calgary minus 165, the Avalanche at the Blackhawks, Colorado minus 320. If Peter Morazic is in net for the Blackhawks, which I believe he is projected to be, well, then it's probably going to be some sort of avalanche team total bet, something like that, because, uh, well, let's just say that guy stinks. Um, he's not quite Elvis Merzlikens, but... No one is. He's pretty darn close, AJ. So if Mrazek is in net, we have to look at fading the Blackhawks at all costs. Senators are at the Mullet Arena to take on the Coyotes, Ottawa minus 165, and the Panthers here in town to take on the Golden Knights, VGK minus 135. If you're interested in getting one of those hockey plays that I'm probably going to have for tonight, a uh, college basketball play that AJ might have. UFC coming up this weekend. Finally, it's back, baby. Oh, wow. Who's the headliner? Uh, no one you would have heard of. Okay. Yeah. Not uh, not not Uncle... Imavov versus Strickland. Okay. It, it's not Uncle Ayev? Not Uncle Ayev. Uncle Ayev is not, <laughs> is not facing? <laughs> is not matching, not fighting? Uh, any package that you want, go to pregame.com. Lots of great stuff available for you there. And take 20% off using the promo code ALARM20. Yes, your alarm goes off and it says, listen to SOVAM. First thing. Uh, ALARM20 is going to be the promo code. Get you 20% off. Anything you'd like at pregame.com. And if you've made it this far in the podcast because you love getting the 20% off and you love getting the promo codes, well, we have an extra bonus for you. What is it? It's a best bet. Yeah, it's a best bet for me. And it's George Kittle over three and a half receptions. You can get this at minus 125. Since Brock Purdy's been the quarterback, five games, all of them have gone over this number. Seattle, bottom five in DVOA against tight ends, bottom five in receptions allowed, bottom five in yards allowed against tight ends. George Kittle is going to eat in this game. I have no idea how he doesn't get to four catches in this game. Brock Purdy's used him as a security blanket. The game that he had against Seattle was absolutely massive. Two touchdowns in that game. Expect a heavy dose of George Kittle. 
over three and a half, minus 125. So not only are we giving you 20% off at pregame.com, we just gave you a free best bet. Free nuggies. That's why you got to listen straight through the end of this podcast. For AJ Hoffman and Steve Fezzik, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.